What a powerful name that is, Emmanuel, God with us. And that prayer, that anticipation, this fourth Sunday of Advent of the coming of Christ, both in his first coming and his second coming. And the anticipation on this Sunday right before Christmas uh, of that great celebration of the birth of Christ. And it's interesting to see how different churches uh, observe this in their worship services, the Sundays before Christmas or the candlelight service like the one we're going to have on the 24th. Um, sometimes they do really cool things, really special things. Sometimes they do confusing things. For example, I was looking this week through my Twitter feed and was looking, uh, I follow a lot of churches and preachers and things like that, but I saw there was this pastor in Tennessee that was uh, promoting the, the services for this Sunday. And the way he was promoting it is he was holding two AR-15s and he was saying that their church was going to have a giveaway of those guns uh, today. That if you came to church on December 19th, you would get a ticket uh, and you will be entered in the raffle. And if you volunteered on that Sunday, you get two tickets. And I thought, wow, what? And I mean, I can tell by some of your reactions that some of you are saying, that's crazy. And then some of you have the reaction like, I'm at the wrong church. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, what do AR-15s have to do with the message of Christmas, right? Like, I have weapons, I have firearms in my house, but I mean, AR-15 giveaway in church just kind of doesn't match the, the manger scene. I think of Joseph and Mary and Jesus with assault weapons. It just, that's not what Christmas is about. Is it? What a crazy world it is. And what, what has brought us here? How did we get here? And how did we lose our way from the gospel? Now, some may argue that assault weapons are peacemakers. Some may say, you know, if you're in possession of assault weapon, you can enforce a certain kind of peace. And I would have to agree. But the question I would ask today is, is that the kind of peace that Jesus came to bring? Is that the kind of peace that Jesus talks about when in the Beatitudes, he talks about peacemakers? In Matthew 5, chapter 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Jesus expects his followers to be peacemakers. In fact, he says that peacemakers give evidence of the fact that they are children of God. We're in this series that we've called the Beatitudes, Distinctives of a Disciple. And we're looking at these eight sayings of Jesus called the Beatitudes. They all begin with bless. And they give characteristics of a genuine follower of Christ. This is a good list for us to, to use as a diagnostic tool and to say, how is my life displaying that? How can I make sure that I'm not just a cultural Christian or a church goer? but a genuine follower of Christ. These are kingdom values that, that are displayed in the life of people who have been transformed by the gospel. And we've looked at a lot of them already. We've said genuine disciples are humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We said that genuine disciples are broken. Blessed are those who mourn. Genuine disciples are meek. Blessed are the meek. They're hungry. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
They're merciful. Blessed are the merciful. They're pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. We talked about that last Sunday. We've had the opportunity to unpack each one of these, and it's been really fun for me. It's been convicting for me as I've unpacked that in my own life. And then today we come to this one, peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So let's talk about what that means. I think in the first place, peacemakers know the Prince of Peace. This Advent season, we've talked about hope, we've talked about peace, we've talked about love, and today we're talking about joy. This week is, is a week where we meditate on joy. And, and it's very fitting because that's what Christ came to bring. Christ came to bring hope. He came to bring peace. He came to bring love. He came to give us joy. In fact, he didn't just come to bring those things, he is those things. Christ is our hope. Christ is our peace. Christ is love. Christ is joy. Christ is our peace. The, the prophet Isaiah calls him the prince of peace. Isaiah 9.6 says, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Christ is our Prince of Peace. The world desperately needed a Prince of Peace when Jesus was born. In fact, today the world still needs a Prince of Peace. There is conflict everywhere we look from family conflict to neighborhood conflict to, to conflict in the streets among nations, among ethnic groups, among political groups. There's conflict and tension and division. And we long for a Prince of Peace, don't we? Humanity has longed for peace since the beginning. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and they chose to disobey, they were alienated from God. That perfect peace and harmony that they enjoy with the Creator was broken. When they decided to, to do what the enemy said, they, they moved over to the enemy's side. And that choice affected everything. It affected their relationship with God. It affected their relationship with each other. They, they saw each other differently immediately after they sinned. There was shame. And it affected nature. The ground will give thorns and there will be added pain in childbirth. All of nature has been affected by the broken peace between the creator and the crown of his creation, which is humanity. And the world suffers today chaos and division and conflict and destruction because it is estranged from its creator. The world will never know peace until it is reconciled with God through Christ. And that's why God sent Jesus. That's why God sent the Prince of Peace. The greatest offense that has ever been committed in human history required the greatest agent of peace and his name is Jesus. I love Christmas carols. I've enjoyed the songs that, that we sang today and, and the celebration and the proclamation. One of the Christmas carols that I've always loved since I was a kid, it was written by Charles Wesley, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. 
And the lyrics speak about this idea of Jesus being the Prince of Peace and what that accomplishes. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Mile he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, held the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Held the heaven-born Prince of Peace, held the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Christ the highest heaven adore, Christ the everlasting Lord. Come, desire of nations, come, fixing us thy humble home. The desire of nations, the longing for peace can never be fulfilled unless we find it in the Prince of Peace. I know it's trite, I know it sounds cliche, but it's no less true. No Jesus and no peace. No Jesus and no peace. Peacemakers know the Prince of Peace. That's where it begins. You cannot be a peacemaker outside of a reconciled relationship with the Prince of Peace. So do you know him? Do you know the Prince of Peace? Have you experienced reconciliation with the Father? Because that's where it begins. That's, that's where the power comes from. That's where the transformation happens in a relationship with the Prince of Peace. I hope you know him. Secondly, peacemakers learn the practice of reconciliation. God initiated reconciliation. When he sent Jesus to earth, he opened the way for us to be reconciled with God, but he also opened the way for us to be reconciled with each other. You know, our conflicts, our unwillingness to forgive, our unwillingness to reconcile with others, are evidence of our sinful nature. It, it takes the power of Christ in the life of a person to turn things around. The evidence that we need a Prince of Peace is the fact that we don't get along with a lot of people. It's the fact that we have conflict and broken relationships. You know, I, I'm reminded of, of that story in American history of, of the Hatfields and the McCoys. Uh, so many legends and jokes and cartoons and TV shows have come from these two extended families that lived on each side of the Big Sandy River. One family on the Kentucky side, the other family on the West Virginia side. And they had this family feud that went on for generations. Bruce McCoy is a staff at Baptist General Convention of Texas and he recently wrote a book called The Reluctant Peacemaker and he writes this in his introduction, listen. He says, they say everybody has a crazy uncle. I need, look no, I need look no further than the famed Hatfield-McCoy feud of the 1880s. Randall McCoy must be near the top of family crazies. Randall McCoy chose to hold on to an offense against Devil Anne's Hatfield. His given name was William Anderson Hatfield. But hatred boiled over between these two men Devil Anz was a strong leader, a purposeful, stern man in the timber business. He was not the sort of man one should provoke. Randall was a brooding, negative man who held on to resentments. He too was the wrong man to cross. He seemed incapable 
of shrugging off offenses and looking the other way for the sake of peace. In short, neither Randall nor Devil Ann seem willing to offer an olive branch. Both proved to be unforgiving men. Their hatred infected extended family members like an aggressive cancer, and it grew worse at every turn. Bruce McCoy says this, I come from a family of widely known for holding a ridiculous grudge over a pig. And people died because neither man would walk away from the dispute. The animosity grew so bad that both families opposed each other's right to exist. The McCoy-Hatfield feud was a prequel to the cancel culture that exists today. Cancel culture seems to be the latest form of banishment and unforgiveness. It appears few ever seek the option of relational peace through forgiveness and reconciliation. And I think how true. As ridiculous as the Hatfield-McCoy feud seems to us, not much seems to have changed. People today continue to be unrelenting in their desire to be right even if it means writing other people off, even if it means opposing those who disagree with them. We see this on social media when, when people fight and, and they destroy each other's character and they unfriend each other and, and, and they delete each other. We see it in the gang violence of, of our cities. We see it in the endless bloodshed of drug cartels, extended families killing each other. We see it in the fights between church leaders that sometimes even take each other to court. Sadly, I see it sometimes in families that are grieving when a loved one has passed away and, and there is disagreement about the will. And they take each other to court and they don't talk to each other for years. They, they don't spend Christmas together because they disagree about how to distribute the money that dad or mom left. We see it among family and, and friends who exclude each other from their lives because of political or social disagreement. We see it in the riots, whether they're in Washington State or Washington DC. People desecrating property and destroying businesses and wanting others to die. It's no wonder that Jesus in the same Sermon of the Mount where he gives the Beatitudes, he talks about murder in, in chapter 5, verse 21, says, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister's raka is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Jesus says, Look, murder begins in the heart. It begins when you, when, you, when you start wanting to get rid of people because you don't like them, because you don't agree with them, because they don't look like you, because they don't come from the same background like you, and you wish them gone. You wish to cancel them. You wish to get rid of them in your heart. You have killed them. And Jesus says, and you will be held responsible for that. That's where it begins, in the heart. It's sad. It's heartbreaking to watch. In order to break the heart of God. When God looks at us, he says, when, when humanity had offended me, when humanity gave its back to me, when, when humanity stepped all over my goodness and my faithfulness, I came down and I went to a manger 
to be born as a baby and to live among them and to die for them so that they could be reconciled to the Father. And they don't want to reconcile with each other. I wonder sometimes we think that our, our offenses against us are bigger than our offenses against God. We, we insist on being right at the expense of relationships. You know, I'm glad that God chose reconciliation over canceling me. He could have canceled me. He was right and I was wrong. But he chose reconciliation over proving how right he was. Those that have been reconciled to God, those that have experienced the Prince of Peace in their lives will want to practice reconciliation. The cross has two beams. It's got a vertical beam and it speaks about reconciliation between humanity and God. But it also has a horizontal beam and it speaks about reconciliation with others. If we don't want to reconcile, if we are not working to to be agents of reconciliation, then the cross hasn't really worked out its power in our lives. Because it is in the cross that we find the power to do that. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers practice reconciliation. They learn that. And then third and finally, peacemakers become the people of restoration. Jesus was born during a time that the Roman Empire had extended all over the known world. And something called Pax Romana was the rule of the day. Pax Romana, that's Latin for Roman peace. It was a kind of peace that was enforced by fear and violence. The swords of the Roman soldiers and the crucifixions all over the place and their whips were establishing peace. It, it, it was a peace for, for the empire that required the fear of the people of, of this extremely aggressive and violent Roman army. That's the kind of world that Jesus came to. It is the kind of peace that many places today have. It's a peace that is established by dictators and totalitarian governments. But the kind of peace that Jesus came to bring is different. He talks about it in John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives, as the Romans give, or as dictators give. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, the peace that Christ came to bring has nothing to do with fear. It's a peace that comes because of his love. Instead of Pax Romana, it's Pax Christi. See, the word in the Hebrew mind for peace is shalom. Shalom is much deeper than our English word for peace. Shalom has to do with wholeness. It has to do with well-being. It's the holistic well-being of the person, emotionally and spiritually and physically. To, to wish shalom on someone is to wish them the best kind of wellness that you could ever wish. It's not artificial peace. It's, it's not superficial peace. It's not external peace. But it is an internal peace that overflows. While many think of peace as the absence of conflict, shalom is the presence 
of wholeness. The absence of conflict can be superficial and temporary, but the presence of wholeness is deep and abiding, and it comes from Christ. Shalom is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of wholeness. And so the peacemakers that Jesus commands are those who are agents of wholeness. See, peacemaking is not a passive thing. Peacemakers are not passive people who just sit there and, and watch everything go wrong. Peacemakers are active shalom bringers. They, they're actively agents of restoration. Peacemakers become those people. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. God sent his son, the prince of peace, to restore humanity, to restore creation to its original shalom, to the way it was in the Garden of Eden before the fall. That's, what, that's why God sent Jesus to the world, to restore that kind of shalom. And those that restore that kind of shalom are called children of God. Those people that work actively to bring about that kind of peace are called children of God. We bring shalom when we share the gospel with people, when we tell them about the love of Jesus, when we lead them to the feet of Christ. We bring shalom when we make disciples. We bring shalom when we feed the hungry. We bring shalom when we advocate for the sanctity of human life, when we stand for the voiceless, when we speak for those that cannot speak for themselves. We bring shalom. We bring shalom when, when we care for the orphan and the poor and the widow and the immigrant. We bring shalom when we confront evil and injustice and we say, not on my watch. That's not right. We bring shalom when we seek reconciliation, when we build bridges, when people are so far apart from each other. Peacemakers are the people of restoration. Peacemakers pray like St. Francis did many centuries ago. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. The world may resort to violence to have their kind of peace. The world may resort to canceling culture to have their peace, if they can just get rid of the people they don't like. But followers of Jesus are different. Followers of Jesus are shalom people. People who bring restoration to their family, to their community, and to the world. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers become people of restoration. They know the Prince of Peace. They learn the practice of reconciliation. And they become the people of restoration. So where do you fit in all of that? How has the Prince of Peace made a difference in your life? How are you being a peacemaker? What is it that you need God to do in your life, in your heart, so that you can be called the child of God? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children 
of God. A couple of weeks ago, a police officer in the Dallas area was killed in the line of duty. The man who shot him turned a gun on himself and, and he tried to kill himself but didn't succeed. He ended up in the hospital. Last week, they had the, the funeral service at Lake Point Baptist Church in Rockwall. And Richard Houston's daughter, Shelby Houston, 18-year-old girl, spoke at the funeral. And this is what she said. Watch this video. And I knew this day would come at some point in my life. Um, however, I didn't think it would come so soon. And there's so much I want to say about my dad. But I would have to stand up here forever to do that. I've tried to find all the perfect words and to formulate all the right thoughts for this. But as I got up to preach last Wednesday for the first time ever, my dad sent me this text. He said, sometimes it feels overwhelming, but I'm here to tell you everything will be okay. You got this. Remember that no matter what, me and your mom got your back, always and forever. Have fun tonight, speak from your heart, and don't look back. You will do great. I know you will, no doubt. I love you. I don't think he knew that this text would actually mean more than just another Wednesday night for me. It would actually be the text that would send me into speaking at his funeral a few days later. I know many of you knew my father as an officer, you may have seen him in his uniform with a badge and a squad car, but I saw my dad in a different fashion, always in his plaid pajama pants, book in hand, and his silver Ford F-150. Home has felt lonely without him here. I keep waiting for him to pull up in the driveway to come inside and tell us about some crazy car chase he got into or maybe even how terrible the 7-Eleven taquitos were for lunch. <laughs> you never knew it was always a surprise what he had gotten into that day. However, there was no heavier surprise than to receive a call that your dad had been shot and killed. It will be a day I never forget. I remember having conversations with my dad about him losing friends and officers in the line of duty. I have heard all the stories you can think of, but I've always had such a hard time with how the suspect is dealt with. Not that I didn't think there should be justice served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus. Their actions being a reflection of that. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me, but as it's happened to my own father, I think I still feel the same. There has been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion, and part of me wishes I could despise the man who did this to my father, but I can't get any, of, any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live, but when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, 
I'd get to spend some time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream at him. Not to yell at him. Not to scold him. Simply to tell him about Jesus. Wow. That's convicting. This girl gives evidence that she knows the Prince of Peace. Only the Prince of Peace can do that in a broken heart. She has learned the practice of reconciliation from her dad and from her savior. And she's become a person of shalom. And I want the same thing for my life. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Would you stand with me and would you join me in lifting up the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi? Together in unison, we pray, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Father, we thank you for the words of Jesus. We thank you for the Prince of Peace that came to bring reconciliation and to make us agents of reconciliation. Father, we pray today that we would respond to that power in Jesus in the way that your spirit wants to work in our lives even now. Maybe as you respond today, the greatest need in your life is to receive the peace that comes from knowing the peace of the Prince of Peace. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. He came to bring you peace. And today you can confess in prayer that you're a sinner, that you need forgiveness, that you need peace in your life. You can say, I receive that gift I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. I want to be a peacemaker. I want to be an instrument of shalom. And so today, I receive that peace in my heart. If that's your prayer, you can pray that right now. Maybe your prayer today as a follower of Jesus is to, is to let God work in you to be an instrument of peace. Maybe there's someone you need to be reconciled with. This next week is going to be tough for some of you. You got some difficult family members. You got some situations that are they're going to make you upset. And, and you're going to be reminded that we need a Prince of Peace. And you can't change others, but you can commit to being a, a peacemaker. So maybe that's your commitment right now that this Christmas, in fact, this next year, you're going to be a peacemaker in a world that's broken and divided. That's what we need. Maybe what you need today is healing. Maybe, maybe someone has taken your peace. Someone has been unjust. You've been misunderstood, mistreated. 
and you've tried to reconcile them. People have rejected that reconciliation. And today you just need to rest in the Lord. Say, give me the peace that passes all understanding. I want shalom in my heart. God can heal. He can lift you. He can hold you through that turmoil. You respond as he leads you. We're going to sing. Some of you maybe want to come and pray with one of us pastors. We'll be up here. We'll pray with you. Maybe you want to put a, a connect card in one of these offering plates or a, a, a commitment that you're making or an offering. The offering plates or in the offering boxes. This is a time for you to, to just respond. So feel free. Maybe you want to kneel down. Maybe you want to sit down. Maybe you want to remain standing. But let's respond to God as he speaks to us.